Hey, welcome back to our All Access Podcast. My name is Wayne Brown. I'm so thrilled that you joined us today. We've been listening to a series of messages from our Empowered Gathering. And last podcast, we heard a message from Pastor Jude Fuquay about wasting time with God. It was really about prayer. This podcast is going to be building on that. And it's all about hearing the voice of God. Pastor Joachim Lundquist preached an amazing message on how to hear the voice of God in multiple ways. And I'm telling you, you don't want to miss this message. So lean in, tune in, and I'm telling you, it's going to be a great message. Let's hear this word. joy and what an honor it is for me to be here and before we get into the word of God tonight can I just acknowledge that today is actually the birthday of the most amazing human being on the face of this earth which is my beautiful wife Maria who is right down there yay Honey, I love you with all my heart to the moon and back. May all your dreams come true. And may this be the greatest year you've ever experienced. Amen. All right. Okay. So I want to share a word from, from the Lord with you tonight. And, and I hope you're excited and, and that your heart is open and, and your ears are open and you're, and you're ready for some Swedish accent. Is that the situation? Okay, this, this, uh, these days has got the theme of prayer and missions. And actually, I want to touch on both as I speak tonight about hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God. Now, this is essential for any Christian and specifically for leaders, amen? Because our God is different from Allah or Vishnu or Buddha in the way that our God actually speaks. Amen. And he has given you and I an, an opportunity and a possibility to hear his voice. Now, as we speak about hearing the voice of God, first of all, we need to acknowledge and remind ourselves that God speaks in many different ways, okay? There's not just one way. So let's remind ourselves about a few, way in which, a few ways in which God speaks and communicates and leads us, his people. Number one, the undefeated world champion of ways through which God speaks is the word of God. Is there anyone in the house tonight that is happy and thankful for the word of God? Praise God. Because even when he leads us through a still small inner voice, we might get it wrong. But the word of God never fails. The word of God stands forever. It's eternally true. It will always stand and it will always bring freedom and joy and strength into our lives. Amen. And uh, I love what Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, all scripture is God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. Now, God does not have a problem with bad breath. When God speaks, what comes, sorry, when God breathes, what comes out of his mouth is the Holy Spirit. We see that in Genesis chapter 2, the story of creation. God creates man from the dust of the earth and then he breathes into man and he said, then man became a living being. Why? Because we, be, when God breathes, the spirit of life entered man. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead entered man and he came alive. 
And then way later, John chapter 20, after the resurrection, Jesus gathers his disciples. And he says, as the Father sent me, I now send you. And then he says, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, when God breathes, the Holy Spirit comes out. And here it says that all scripture is God breathed, meaning that when we read the Bible, not only do we get information about God, but we have fellowship with God through the Spirit that dwells in the written word of God. Amen. And the more time you spend in fellowship with God as you read the word of God, the easier it will become for you to hear and discern the word of God. Amen? So that's the number one way in which God speaks and leads us. The second way that he does is through godly traditions. And I know that I never get an amen in spirit-filled churches when I include the word traditions, okay? Because we have a bit of a problem with that word. We will go, no, I'm set free from traditions, y'all. I'm free in Christ Jesus. And you know, we... <laughs> but, but let me just remind you, friend, I do hope for the sake of your neighbor sitting next to you that you are in favor of the tradition of wearing deodorant on a daily basis. I, I do hope for your other neighbor's sake that you are in favor of the tradition of washing your clothes once in a while, brushing your teeth morning and night. My friend, traditions are not good or bad. Tradition simply means doing the same thing on a regular basis. And when you establish godly traditions, like reading your Bible every day, entering into the presence of the Lord every day, going to church every Sunday, amen, then you're going to establish a routine in which you are regularly brought into the presence of God and under the influence of God. And the more you, are, uh, you allow your life to be ruled by godly traditions, the stronger you will be also in hearing the voice of God. Amen? Jesus had godly traditions in his life. It says in Luke 2 that at the time of the Passover, Jesus walked up to Jerusalem as was his custom. I love that. Luke 4, it says, when the Shabbat came, Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. Not just because he felt like it when he woke up in the morning, but because he had established a godly tradition that repeatedly brought him into the presence of God. So God can speak to him and God could lead him. Amen. And actually, you know, the very first major city-shaking miracle in the book of Acts was, came about really because two guys had a godly tradition in their lives. I'm speaking about the, the paralyzed man by the beautiful gate in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 3, we know the story. Peter and John comes up to this paralyzed man and, and they grab hold of his hand and they speak the name of Jesus over him and he is raised up and all of a sudden he can walk and that miracle just shook the entire city. But how did they end up in the beautiful gate in the first place? 
We read in Acts chapter 3 verse 1. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. These two guys had a godly tradition installed in their lives. If we are in Jerusalem and it's 3 in the afternoon, we're going to go up to the temple to pray. Not because we feel like it, but because it's a godly tradition in our lives. Amen? Please note, this is after the day of Pentecost. This is after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Spirit did not delete the need for godly traditions. Amen? The first church had the spontaneous, beautiful life of the Spirit, but also godly traditions. And if it was good enough for them, it's good enough for you and I. Amen? So God leads to the Word of God through godly traditions. Another way that God leads us and speaks to us, speak to us, is through Christian common sense. Praise God for Christian common sense. What do I mean by this? Well, simply, when you go about trying to do your best to obey and live according to the basic teaching of Jesus, share Jesus with your friends. Love your enemies. Give generously. Serve the church. Pray for your persecutors. All the basic stuff that Jesus taught us. When we live according to that, then you will be in the presence of God and you will be able to hear what God wants to say to you. Amen? So honestly, you could just live by these three. The Word of God, godly traditions, and Christian common sense. You can live by these three ways all your life and you will have an amazing life. God will lead you. God will speak to you. But there is one more element that God uses to speak to and lead us. And that's what I really want to emphasize here tonight. And I want to talk about how God is speaking to you personally. When God speaks specific instructions into your heart for such a time as this. Now, this is the times where he wants to get information across to you as a pastor, as a leader, as a believer. That he cannot communicate through the written word of God because it's more specific. And he cannot communicate it through your godly traditions or even through your Christian common sense. Because sometimes he needs you to step out of that Christian common sense. And do something you've never done before so you can see something that you've never seen before. Now it's really important for us to realize and remind ourselves that this does not happen on a daily basis. Because God doesn't have to speak to you individually, personally, on a daily basis. Why? Because he's got number one and two and three. That's the backbone of the Christian life. Not the spectacular goosebump stuff, but the word of God, godly traditions, and Christian common sense. Amen? You don't have to drive through the drive through of Popeye's and Pray, Holy Spirit, should I have the classic chicken sandwich or the spicy chicken sandwich? Lord Almighty, should I have the mango lemonade or the lemon lemonade, you know? <laughs> oh, so sorry, not Popeye's. Chick-fil-A. Of course, forget what I said. God's chicken, Chick-fil-A. But my point is the same. 
You know, there's so much in life that God simply entrusts to you to decide on, amen? But sometimes he wants to speak to you to do specific things, to do sometimes uncomfortable things, unusual things, but when you do, and when you obey, and when you step out of your boat, there will be a miracle on the other side of your obedience. Amen? We actually see this happening in, in Jesus' own life. Um, there is a passage in John chapter 4. This is early in Jesus' ministry. And Jesus is just about to um, move his ministry from the south of Israel, which is Judea, to the north of Israel, which is Galilee. And if you don't know your biblical geography, I would strongly advise you to come along on Bethany's Israel trip in June 2024, which is going to be amazing. But, you know, we can speak more about that later. So it says that Jesus is moving from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north. And when John writes about this, he, he says something very specific. This is John chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, so he, which refers to Christ, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. This is a very interesting statement. He had to go through Samaria. Let me tell you why this is very special and very important. Let me get, let's get a map of Israel. This is, this is Israel in the days of Jesus. Basically made up of three parts. Judea in the south, Galilee in the north, and then Samaria smack in the middle. So now Jesus wants to go from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north. And when we look at this in 2023 in Baton Rouge, we assume that, of course, he would go through Samaria. It's the shortest route. You know, it's kind of just passing through Judea up to Galilee. You know, why wouldn't you go straight through there? It's the shortest way. The thing is that no Jew in their right mind would pass through Samaria at that time. The Samaritans were polytheists who worshipped the God of Israel, but also the gods of Assyria. They believed in multiple gods. And of course the Jews would have nothing to do with that. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods beside me. The Jewish creed, hear O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And because the Samaritans believed in multiple gods, the Jews avoided them at all costs. So when traveling from the north to the south or from the south to the north, they would pass by Samaria. They would travel along the shores of the river Jordan simply to avoid walking through Samaria. But here it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria at this moment. He did not have to for geographical reasons. He did not have to for cultural reasons. There's only one option left. He had to because the Spirit told him to. Why? Because the Spirit knew that right there in Samaria, there's a woman by a well. Praise God. And her heart is wide open to receive forgiveness and salvation. And when she does, she will become the first evangelist in the New Testament. And she will preach the gospel to her city and there will be a revival all over Samaria as a result. 
So Jesus all of a sudden stepped out of his Christian common sense, out of his regular routines, and he did something in a different way. And as a result, a whole city heard the gospel. And there was a fire of revival in the most unlikely place. Can we give it up for Jesus and for the power of the Holy Spirit? And when I look back at, at my life and our church back home in Sweden, I could tell you this without exaggerating one single bit. Every time we've seen the most amazing dramatic miracles in our history, it has been preceded by a word of God. It has been preceded by a specific instruction from the Lord that we dared to believe in. Oh man, I could tell you so many stories. Can I tell you one? Please say yes. Because I'm going to do it anyway. So feel so much better if you say yes. You know, we're going to move you back now to the 80s. Okay, we had just started our church a, a few years ago. And we were in the process of building our very first church building. Our church was three, four hundred at the time. And everybody was giving like crazy to fund this new church building that we were building. And, and everybody was really excited about it. In the middle of the building process, the building funds, God spoke to us. Now we're not the kind of church that we just hear a random prophecy and then lose everything we have and just run with it. But this was a word that resonated with every single one of us in the leadership. We prayed about it. We tasted it in the presence of God. And we had to come to terms with the fact that this is an actual word from the Lord. But it was, it was way, you know, way bigger and way wider than anything we could have imagined or made up ourselves. God spoke to us and he said, you need to raise 40 million corona, which equals $4 million in four years because the Iron Curtain is coming down. Soviet Union is going to collapse and the chain of communism is going to break and all of Soviet Union is going to open up for the gospel in four years. Whew. Looking at the political situation, there was nothing to, to kind of suggest that this would actually happen. But the word just resonated so strongly with our hearts. So we actually shared it with the church. Who was already giving to fund our new church building. So but by the grace of God we shared it with the church. No pressure. We just kind of shared it. We believe that God is giving us like extra grace to also do this. And by the, by the power of God. By the grace of God. And by the generosity of our people, parallel to raising funds for the church, we actually raised $4.1 million in four years. And just set them apart from mission into Soviet Union. And sure enough, when the fourth year came to a close, the Iron Curtain came down. Soviet Union opened up for the gospel of Jesus. And we were ready, praise God. We were ready. We have been talking about this for four years. A whole young generation has been raised up and, and prepared to go on missions and to move into former Soviet Union as missionaries. And we had the resources and we had the funds. We started flooding the Soviet Union with the gospel of Jesus. We bought 1,000 VCR players. Anyone remember VCR players? 
and we started recording, you know, uh, messages, Bible teaching, revival messages on videotape. We, we sent in all these VCR players and we started recording, teaching on videotape, translated it to Russia and spread it all over former Soviet Union. And our missionaries were moved in there and went crazy to preach the gospel of Jesus. And as part of this whole story, we came in touch with this communist general like the KGB guy, the secret police of the old Soviet Union. And, and he wasn't a Christian at all, but he liked our guts. <laughs> he, he just liked our passion. And, and, uh, and he told one of our missionaries, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I have a train, okay? I have a train that used to be the propaganda train of, of communism. We would used to drive this up and down the, uh, you know, the railways of Soviet Union and we would stop by, we would preach the gospel of communism. And you know what? I don't know why I'm saying this, but you can have that train to preach your gospel about Jesus. So for two years in a row, we sent in youth teams that went up and down the Trans-Siberian Railway and stopped at every city and every town and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh man, with the money that we had, we could print books and Bibles in Russian. And in every city, we started new churches. And in, even in the villages where we couldn't really stop because we didn't have the time, people were running next to the train. And we threw out books and we threw out Bibles. And people picked them up and, and waved to us. And when I shared this testimony at a missions conference in Melbourne, Australia, recently, a couple came up to me afterwards, tears streaming down their face and saying, we, we ran by that train. We were just kids. We ran by that train and we picked up a, the gospel of John and we read it and we gave our hearts to Jesus and now we pastor a Russian-speaking church in Melbourne, Australia. Now Word of Life has got over 350 churches in former Soviet Union. And I pinch myself because I realize we could have missed it so easily by simply missing that initial instruction or saying that we don't have the time now or we don't have the resources now or we're focusing on something else now. When God speaks to you, small or big, take that step out of the boat. You have no idea what you're going to put in motion. Can we just give God a shout of praise? He speaks. He speaks. He speaks and we want to listen. Amen. Let me just give you three ways that can help you hear the voice of God clearly. And clearly like day by day as you journey through life and leadership. Because we can't really have a message without three points. This is a Christian gathering after all. So just three advices to you as a pastor, as a leader, as a believer of how you can hear the word of God and how you can be led by the spirit of God. Number one, point number one is simply relax. Relax. Don't overcomplicate this. Don't cramp and don't fear. Amen. 
A lot of people come to say, I want to hear the word of God. I'm really anxious to hear the word of God. You know, so I would say, first thing, relax. You know, if I would come to my wife and go, Maria, I really love you. He would say, Joe, Joe, would you, do you need a restroom? I mean, what's, what's, what's the problem here? Amen. When God speaks to you, it's a natural process. He doesn't speak to you because you act super spiritual. He wants to speak to you as your best friend. Amen. There's a beautiful story in 1 Samuel chapter 3 about the calling of Samuel when he was still a young boy. And it says in 1 Samuel 3 verse 1 to 4, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of the Lord has not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Oh, there's so much wisdom to pull from these verses when it comes to hearing God. Please note, when did God speak? Samuel was just relaxing. He was just lying down. But you know, Samuel was doing two things that qualified him to hear the word of God. Number one, he was in the right place. He was in God's temple. And number two, he did the right thing. He was not just a spectator, he was a servant. He was ministering under authority, under Eli, right place, the temple, doing the right thing, serving God to the best of his ability. And my friend, when you do, when you're right in the middle of the church and when you serve God to the best of your ability, you can relax. God will speak to you in due time. Amen. When he wants to and when you need it, you will hear the voice of God. Amen. And also another interesting thing that we learn about in reading this story about Samuel is that, you know, sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor, I, I can't seem to hear the word, uh, the, the voice of God. A lot of times I would respond by saying, you know, maybe you're looking for something different. Maybe you're looking for it to sound different than it actually does. Because we've all seen the Prince of Egypt. <laughs> and when we read this story, we expect the, the voice of God to Samuel to sound something like this. Samuel! Thank you so much, guys. That was brilliant. But you know what? It didn't. It didn't sound like that. How do I know? Because Samuel mistook the voice for Eli's. And if it would have sounded anything like that, Samuel would never think it was Eli. So that means that when the Lord speaks, it's a natural thing. It's a soft voice. It's a still voice that could be mistaken for the voice of a man, namely yourself. A lot of times we make that mistake and say, maybe it's me. <laughs> 
but it's so natural and it's so relaxed. And actually, when I look back on my life and I, I, I recognize the, the places in my life when I was really led by the Spirit and find myself to be at the right place at the right time, a lot of times I haven't even been aware that God led me. I just ended up in the right place at the right time. It just happened before, because in the morning I prayed, God, just use me today. Just lead me today. And then he just takes me at my words and then he leads me. I remember a few years ago I was speaking at a pastor's conference in Mexico City. And there was like eight, nine hundred pastors. And uh, I had a great time. It was a three-day event. And uh, every morning they sent a new guy to my hotel to pick me up. So this was the third day now, the last day of this pastor's conference. This new guy came to pick me up. And I got in the car and he came to pick me up with a Volkswagen Beetle. Not the new modernized thing, the original, 1967. I folded myself up and he got out on the motorway outside Mexico City. This car was shaking. And we were on the motorway and this guy's driving like crazy. And I thought to myself, not many people get to experience this. How blessed am I? To be part of this amazing, unique experience. And again, because I hadn't met this guy before, I started having, you know, general conversation. I asked him about his name and his family and, and life and stuff. And then I said, tell me your story of how, how you met with Christ and, and how that happened. And all of a sudden, he got all quiet on me. And then he said, um, actually, my life with God is not good at all. I said, Oh, okay. Why? Why isn't it? Tell me the story. And he started sharing the story, the heartbreaking story about how when he was a kid, he was on fire for God and he wanted to serve God with the rest of his life. And then in the teenage years, he made some bad choices that brought him away from God. And now he was sure that God was so disappointed at him that, that he didn't want to have anything more to do with him. And he cried as he was sharing the story. And I started sharing Jesus with him. I said, you know what? There's a second chance for you. There's a new chance for you. There's forgiveness for you. There's restoration for you. God is with us here in the car. And this guy was crying harder and harder. The car was shaking wilder and wilder. I said, my friend, stop the car. And he, he pulled the car over to the side of the road. And I'm preaching Jesus to him and speak to him about a second chance and salvation and forgiveness. And the spirit filled the whole car. It wasn't much space, but still <laughs> every available space. And then I asked, can I pray for you and, and, and just lead you to the Lord? He said, yes. I prayed for him. And he, got, he accepted Christ in his heart. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was amazing. But at the same time, I started checking my watch and I realized we are getting very late now. I'm going to miss my sessions. I said, my friend, this was amazing. This was beautiful. But we really need to get to church now. So can you take me there as fast as possible? And he just looked at me. And he said, we're on our way to the airport. And I said, no, no man, that's tomorrow. I got one more day. You need to take me to church immediately. And then tomorrow, it's the airport. And he looked at me again. There was an awkward silence. 
And then he said something that I probably never ever forget in my life. He said, you are Mr. Williams, aren't you? And slowly I realized, this is not my driver at all. Turned out he was a random Uber guy who went to the hotel to pick up a Mr. Williams and drive him to the airport. And when I got out in the car, I assumed he was my driver. He assumed I was Mr. Williams. And everything was great until Mr. Williams started asking him about Jesus. And I thought to myself, how much heavenly coordination went into this process? How many angels were involved in keeping Mr. Williams away and my driver away? Maybe the two of them ended up in the same car. Maybe Mr. Williams got saved too. And I just thought to myself, this is how much God loves one single human being, one single individual. This is how much he loves one single person. And again, I realized I cannot take any credit whatsoever because God obviously led me without me being involved in the process at all. Amen. Just be at the right place, do the right thing, and relax. God is in control. Can we say amen? amen. Second thing we need to remember when it comes to uh, hearing from God and being led by God. First one was relax. Second thing is respond. Respond. Because when God speaks to you, it's rarely about information, but a call to action. When he speaks to you, it's because he wants to give you a kick in an anatomically appropriate location. <laughs> so that you stand up and you get things done for his kingdom. I love what it says when, when Samuel that we just read about grew up. Later on, 1 Samuel chapter 10, he speaks to Saul. And he says, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. And you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do. Can we say do? Do, do whatever your hand finds to do for God is with you. When the spirit moves, it's not just for you to be informed about stuff. It's for you to rise up and do something that you never thought you would be able to do. Amen. I want to introduce you to one of our teenagers back home. That is a great example of this. This is Annika. Um, and at the time, Annika was 14 years old when he heard me speak about hearing the voice of God and the need for us to respond with a step of faith as we do. Now, when you look at Annika, you see her one eye there? That there's something wrong with one of her eyes. Annika is blind on that eye. And on the other eye, she only has about 15 or 20% of, of visual capacity. And on top of that, Annika is completely deaf on one ear. And on the other ear, she only hears about 15 or 20% of a regular person. So medically speaking, Annika is almost blind and almost deaf. But I can tell you this. Annika loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all her heart. 
And up until this special day, Annika later that she kind of had looked at herself as, as a victim. On the receiving end of God's grace rather than a giver of God's love to someone else. But she went home from that service after having heard about hearing the voice of God. And she started praying, God, how can I respond to your love? How can I respond to your word? And immediately her heart was filled up with love for her school, uh, for her fellow students in her school. She, she attends a school for seeing impaired and hearing impaired teenagers. And she said to God, okay, God, I want to respond. I want to do something to reach all these young people with your love. And then she created this project, this idea. This was November. And she started planning for Valentine's Day. You know, a day that is all about love. What better day to speak about the love of God? So what she did was she cut out about 200 paper hearts, one for every student in her school. Then she wrote their individual names. She asked for lists of all the students in the school. She wrote every single individual student name on one side of the heart. And then back in November, with three months to go until Valentine's, she took out the first heart, she read the name, and she said to God, okay, God, what do you want to say to this person? What do you want to say to this girl? What do you want to say to this boy? And then she prayed in the spirit and stayed in the presence of God until she heard a word from the Lord. And she dared to believe that it was God and she wrote it down on the other side of the heart. And she took out the second heart. God, what do you want to say to this girl? What do you want to say to this boy? This project took three months and in three months, she prayed for each and every student in her school individually. So when Valentine's Day came, she brought 200 paper hearts to her school and she handed them out as a personal gift to every single student in the school. And when she retold the story to me, she said, Pastor Joachim, it's so great because in my school, everybody speaks sign language. So I could go around the whole day and check out what everybody was talking about. <laughs> and she said, everywhere I looked, there were students going, how could this girl know exactly what I was going through? By the way, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea. How could this girl know exactly what I needed to hear? And Annika realized she had heard the voice of God for each and every one of these students. And my friend, if a 14-year-old girl who is almost blind and almost deaf can hear from God, you can hear from God. And if she can respond, we can respond. And as we do, people will hear the gospel of Jesus. Chains will break and freedom will come. Amen. Maybe the worship team could come back up. And I just want to end by one final element that God requires from us when it comes to hearing his voice and being led by the Spirit. We talked about, re we talked about relaxing. We talked about responding. The last thing, reach out. Reach out. You see, when God speaks to you and I, we are rarely ever the final destination of that word. God speaks to us 
so that he will be able to reach someone else. God will speak to you so that he will be able to bless someone else. Amen. You're just supposed to take this word and reach out to someone else. There's a beautiful scripture in Luke chapter 15 verse 8. It's a parable. It says, oh, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? I love this parable. We understand the woman to be God. We understand the, the silver coin that is lost to be a lost soul. But you know what? That lamp that he lights, that's you and I. He comes with the fire of His Holy Spirit upon our lives. Not so we can compare our fires and brag about who's most on fire, but so we can light up the room so that His love can reach one more soul, so that the woman can find one more coin, so that God Almighty can find one more lost soul. Amen. And I felt in my heart every single time I've been praying for this night that God is about to speak fresh words into leaders' hearts here tonight. But they might not be the words you're looking for. They might not be the words that you're, you're, that, that you're caught up with. You know, how can, I, how can I break through in my church finances? How can I get church growth? Blah, blah, blah. Nothing of that is, is unimportant. I'm not saying that. But don't be surprised if the words God speaks to you is nothing to do with you and everything to do about the lost people of this world, of your city, of your community, of your area. Amen. And I do believe that when we start to hunger for those words, God is not about me. It's not about my ministry. It's about you reaching out to find a lost silver coin. It's about you breaking through and finding your way into the people of my community that needs me more than ever. And if you start to call out for those words, how do we reach the lost? How do we reach another nation? How do we see God's fire fall on, on new cities and towns and countries maybe far away? Then you start to hunger for the things that God's heart hunger for and he will start to speak to you. Amen. What an amazing word. This message was from our Empower 2023 this year, and I'm excited about Empower 2024 next year. What we're actually doing is we're merging our youth conference and our leadership conference, Empower, and they're coming together. And so you can sign up for that right now. Go to BethanyAllAccess.com and sign up. Bring your students, bring your church leaders. It's gonna be a party here in Baton Rouge. It's gonna be so amazing. I encourage you, like, subscribe, share this with as many people as you know. And I'm telling you, next week, it's going to be amazing. So we look forward to seeing you next time.